Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How are you now? Broadcasting from the VFS studios in Milsons Point in Sydney. You are listening to the all-new Bib Show, Season 5, Episode 4. Don't forget to hit subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And a reminder that all the financial information in this podcast is generally nature only. Speak to a professional advisor about your needs. Almost got it right. Coincidentally, that is what I do. I'm a financial advisor. My name is James Whelan, Investment Manager at VFS Group. Uh, I just got back from Davos. I still haven't unpacked yet to be here. Uh, so you are welcome. Uh, what can I say? Congrats, uh, well, it's been a great week. Uh, this I'll get to that in a second. This episode is being recorded, as I said, in Milson's Point. It is the 29th of July, 2022 AD. The time is 9.20 a.m. in Sydney. Uh, the guest today, we're getting straight to it. It's going to be a really quick, uh, quick and nasty one. It's Kyle Rudder from Ausbiz, a good mate of ours, good mate of the show. Uh, he likes long walks on the beach and quick talks about interest rates and economic markets. <laughs> Economic markets, are there any other sort? That's genius. Maybe I should write stuff down before I say it. Um, it's, been a, it's been a heck of a week, Kyle. How are you now? Yeah, really well. Um, busy, mate, obviously. Um, but, yeah, it has been a heck of a week. Reasonably exciting stuff. Kept us on our toes, sort of TGI for a little bit. But um, it's been all pretty thrilling, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was on – that's right, yeah. You guys called me in sort of last minute to come in and sit on the, uh, on the 4 o'clock, the last post or whatever it is that you guys have. Yeah, on Monday, uh, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, and we're looking down the barrel of, of a week of earnings, this one that it was, along mm-hmm. with also. So it wasn't only the biggest companies in the world. We had Apple, Microsoft, uh, Amazon, Google, Tesla. Was Tesla in there? I can't even remember. Uh, Tesla um, was last week. But yeah. Tesla was last week. Yeah, it was, there were some big names all the way through it. Yeah. And CPI and GDP and the Fed. And we're looking at it. Just, and, and you were saying it's like a the James Webb telescope. <laughs> <laughs> just suddenly you can see yeah. that there's actually an infinite number of galaxies and we can actually see what it was. That's what it was lo- looking into this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. How's your, how's, how have you changed from the start to the finish, mate? Um, I think for me it's been, one, how markets have paired back to ex- expectations of, I suppose, Fed, Fed hawkishness and central bank aggressiveness, and two, the response from inve- by investors to results which were good but not great and really does sort of seem to indicate the level of bearishness, just weak sentiment overall towards equities, and that maybe we're starting to see some sort of green shoots coming through. So for me, that's that's probably been the, the really big development, and we're kind of seemingly passing through some, I don't know, inflection point at the moment where investors seem to be far more resilient uh, than uh, they've been in the past, and things are starting to seem a little less scary than they were before, even though we are continuing to talk about, you know, recessions, slowdowns, inflation, not, um, you know, obviously rolling over as quickly as possible. So it just, been, it, it just seems to be there's a lot of kind of, you hate to use a phrase, right? It's a cliche, but cautious optimism starting to return to the market. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what was it that I said on Monday? And also, when I, I then backed it up with Nadine on Wednesday afternoon mm. when I was on as well, just saying you've got to say it quietly. Yes. Otherwise, uh, you speak too loudly about this market coming back and, and it'll go back into its cave and then we miss out. Yeah. It's... Uh, so it's it's. I, I still have a lot of people who are saying next leg down, next leg down. Mm. Uh, myself, uh, and I think I was talking about this at the beginning of the week. Pretty clearly was was that we had a whole list of unknowns. We get to the end of this week; those unknowns are going to be known unknowns. We're at least you know it, it. It may not be the best data, but at least we'll have data. At least we'll have outlooks. At least yeah. we'll have numbers in the can, ready to go. Now, uh, one of those numbers. Uh, well, let's just start with. You know, let's 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 work backwards, shall we? The GDP drop. Uh, I want to say this morning, but last night I was up to watch it, um, and yeah, it was negative. So technical recession. What do you think? Uh, I don't think anyone really cares necessarily about what it says about uh, the the US economy over the last couple of quarters and where we are now. I don't think anyone with a shred of credibility really considers this to be any sort of recession. And I have to, I have to say, actually, Shane Oliver a few weeks ago on, on the show actually taught me how um, a recession is actually defined in the United States, which I wasn't aware of beforehand, but it has to be sort of classified, I suppose, unofficially by the National Bureau of Economic Research. Yep. Um, and they have a much more sophisticated way of, of actually classifying a recession, of course. Um, it takes into consideration... Uh, the labour market, which remains, you know, despite the fact that there's, you know, clear signs of softening, we're getting that through in the US jobless claims data every week, um, obviously still in a really strong position. So, you know, obviously the last couple of quarters is basically just a, I guess you could say some kind of, you know, a data recession or whatever you want to call it. And there's all sorts of quirks, you know, driving that. The high US dollar is one thing that, that keeps coming up. But I think markets, uh, market participants are looking forward to the start of next year and have pretty much baked in that the, there will be a recession there. And I think the question is, is obviously how deep and lasting that will be. And what I get the sense is that people are expecting it to be, for at least for the time being, reasonably painless and shallow um, and that potentially a lot of that bad news might be discounted in the equity market already. So obviously, again, you wouldn't want to preempt things too much, but there's all this kind of green shoots kind of language coming through a lot of our guests and a lot of the, the, the um, research that I'm reading. So that seems to be the sense of things that, yeah, the US economy will head into recession in 2023, uh, but it's not going to be cataclysmic and that a lot of that could already be discounted in, in prices. Yeah, I, I have a tendency to agree. Speaking of guests, did you have anyone on this week that you thought was notable? Any any interesting views or takes, apart from myself, obviously? Oh, well, I mean, again, like you said, it's, it's hard to go past you. I look forward to that every week. But, <laughs> um, but no, I think that the one that stands out to me so far is pro- probably because it's fresh in my mind from yesterday was Roger Montgomery talking about the, the big kind of question mark at the moment is just the effects of the balance sheet runoff, which no one seems to be talking about a, a lot. And, and for me, this is sort of my take on things, is, and it's almost a level of irony that, Back when we saw the last time the Fed was trying to shrink its balance sheet, it was trying to basically make it the biggest non-issue of po- as possible. And we had that kind of autopilot language, you know, don't worry, this, this is not a big deal kind of stuff. But no one could stop obsessing about it at the time, maybe just because there was less going on in the world. Um, but now we have a situation where we're seeing a probably more rapid runoff in a more fraught environment where the Fed's actually hiking more aggressively, but no one's talking about the effects of the balance sheet. Um, and what that could actually mean in terms of um, asset prices, 
as well as obviously just financial conditions. What and, are the takeaways from that then? Well, his, his argument was basically, and, and this is the thing I love, I love not to rub it on because I know we want to keep it short and, short and sweet. Go, but, no, no, this is, this is hot. This is good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, my, my favorite, absolutely favorite topic in the world is to talk about the mechanics and the effects of um, quantitative easing slash quantitative tightening. And you, you, you always hark back to that famous Ben Bernanke comment, which is probably a bit outdated now because we've had 10 years of it. But um, quantitative easing uh, works in practice, but not in theory or something to that effect. And no one can really ever explain what it actually is. People say it's printing money. It's not printing money. Um, you know, people... Some, some people suggest that it does increase liquidity considerably in the market and that flows through to equities and inflates asset prices. Other people say, well, it never actually does that at all. It's just, you know, you create bank reserves and it just kind of, you know, creates liquidity in the financial system, but it doesn't really spill out in any kind of meaningful way. Anyway, his, his kind of argument is that that liquidity is being created, that it is something that tends to drive asset prices and inflate asset prices. And even just beyond the kind of plumbing of the system and how that could affect the way um, the financial system operates um, and how well and amply supported with liquidity that the banking system is, is that it, it's going to be a drag on growth and it's going to be a drag on asset prices. And we don't, we, no one can really quantify with any kind of confidence what that is. But what it does mean is that the interest, there's more than, more than just the interest rate hikes that we have to be focusing on at the moment and that basically things are getting tighter quicker than ever, anyone's anticipating at the moment, which will mean eventually that the Fed won't have to hike as much um, because the quantitative tightening will be slowing the economy in its own little way. But by the same token, we don't know how big that is and that makes for a really big set of unknowns. So that's, yeah. that was that was my most interesting takeaway, mostly because that's just my pet pet interest. Yeah, that, that's, that's, um, that, is a big, that is a big deal and I think that it's one that's, that is being understated at the moment. I have to agree with you on that. Well, just the media doesn't report on it. Like, it's just, it's not, it's not the flavor of the month. So no one's really talking about it. Enough. Like, I'm sure strategists, in fact, I know for a fact strategists that we talk to are out there discussing the changing balance sheet dynamics, even, you know, with, with the ECB as well, with, the, with what they're trying to achieve in terms of raising rates, but at the same time, you know, obviously narrowing, narrowing spreads and supporting financial conditions at the European periphery. Strategists are talking about it, but the, the message isn't getting through to the media. And I, I would dare say to a lot of the public and, um, you know, maybe maybe rate strategists are talking about it, but maybe not enough the equity strategists. So, that's, okay. yeah, okay. that's what I'm well, we we'll, um, we'll try and dial up Martin Wetton from the CBA to, to, to run us through exactly what it is. And that would if be I handy. can get an explanation, I'll, I'll chuck it on too. Yeah, that would be very handy. Yeah. The, uh, so, uh, it, 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 bottom line, though, is that if it does slow the economy down, then the Fed won't need to raise. That should theoretically, at that first glance, be taken as being vaguely bullish or not bearish for markets, so it's not so bad. However, you do have the the, the, the reverse side of the coin is that we don't know what the unwinding of that balance sheet is actually going to do to all of the stuff that it does things to. Yeah, um, because no one really knows what it actually does. And then- basically, I just I just did what I'm good at, which is just taking your words and just turning them around and just make, saying them again. Uh, and... Yeah, I've been accused of doing that many times. That's the secret of my success. So the uh, yeah, let's go local here, mate. We got um, Aussie CPI. What's um, what's your what were the numbers? What was your take on that for the week? And and where is our economy going? Going where is our economy going forward? Well, I'm uh, actually I'll, I'll do it. It's a sh- bit of a shameless plug. My favourite show that I do um, during the during the day is the Big Picture. So I get to talk to all the economists, um, sort of locally and, and a few abroad as well. Yep. Um, but the biggest thing in response to that CPI data was that. The more hawkish, um, perhaps even pessimistic economists have dialed back their expectations on future rate hikes from the RBA. Obviously, 50 is kind of locked in for Tuesday as far as you know, most 
most people are concerned, the markets have moved moved to that outcome. And that I think there kind of is a little bit of hope there that maybe inflation won't peak as high as we, we expected before and the RBA might be able to sort of take their foot off the accelerator or the brake. I don't know which way you put it. We'll call it the brake. That makes much more sense. Yeah. Uh, we we'll, can take their, their, their foot off the brake um, when it comes to rate rises uh, by the end of the year. Um, and I think the kind of story behind that is effectively that, again, things things won't peak quite as high. The inflation pressures that we're confronting aren't quite as extreme or won't be as extreme as, as other parts of the world. Um, the big, obviously, question mark remains around the effect on house prices, and that's a subject of debate that I think is the, the really divisive one. Um, some people, again, I had actually another shameless plug, I had um, uh, Chris Joy. I was uh, about to mention Chris yeah, Joy. Yeah. Yeah. He had his debate with um, on the Fear and Greed podcast, which apparently is also fantastic, equal, equal to, um, perhaps not just equal to, but almost <laughs> equal to this one. Um, <laughs> I, I, I actually passed on pursuing that, having that debate on the VIP show. I just don't want to get involved in those guys. It's... it's Anyway, go on. Yeah, go on. I love yeah. I love Coop, but I don't get on with with Chris Joy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I um, I, I mean, I, I I don't think they'd probably think particular what they wouldn't think of me at all. I think. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know about that. that. Well, I, 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 I don't know, but anyway, um, obviously that's the the the, the the big thing that seems to be dividing everyone. Everyone can it's sort of moving on the same page when it comes to rate expectations as we get this data through, and there's a little bit more optimism coming through. But I think that the big discussion is what's going to happen with house prices. And although that might seem kind of either trivial and just one for, you know, people are obviously worried about the, the value of their home or whatever, the, the, the challenge is, is that kind of wealth effect seems to be very difficult to model and estimate. So not only is it difficult to, to know what house prices are going to do, but it's also very difficult to then try and gauge how that negative wealth effect will feed through into the real economy. And that seems to be the real sticking point amongst the guests I speak to. Yeah. And that's uh, that, that I have to, a lot of people sort of hesitantly agreed, had to agree with Chris Joy as much as they like to disagree with him. But people did say <laughs> that, yep, if you do analyze, annualize that house prices are coming off at a 22% per annum, whatever you do to analyze, uh, annualize it, then, yeah, that's that's a real issue. That's that's something that's um that's something that's going to stick in a lot of people's mouths and, and actually be at the forefront of people's mm. people's planning for the year ahead and and what it is if you don't have that equity in your house and it starts to to to, to sieve away. Right now, no. I think anecdotally yeah. speaking, I think that there's this weird sort of push pull between the market that there's people who are sitting on the sidelines that that have capacity to buy. They don't mm. have they don't have any more capacity to buy. Remember that the that throwaway stat that the mortgage brokers had that we um, when we had them on a couple of weeks ago was that for every half a percent rate rise by the RPA, it takes people's capacity by it takes people's capacity away by about a hundred grand. So you're you've got buyers that are sitting there where, that, that are okay to get into the market, but they don't see any reason to be to be pushing up the bid. And you've got sellers that aren't necessarily motivated to liquidate at the moment. So it's just sort of a, a bit of a stagnant a, a sort of a, a stagnation, a standoff between buyers and sellers in the housing market. And um, numbers numbers are down. I don't know where the trade is on that one. Maybe short short property websites. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't have a clue. But yeah, I mean, uh, the, the one I suppose silver lining to that is that, um, and I, I know that's a, it's a pretty well we're all sort of well versed in this argument, which is that it'll drive the RBA to back off a little bit sooner because they're going to not obviously they're obviously hitting household cash flows uh, that they could be really squeezing their balance sheets as well, which again is kind of 
that really difficult um, variable to, to quantify and understand, I think. So yep. that's, that's just silver lining. Maybe cash rate doesn't get to three and a half percent or three something, you know. I, th- I think it does. And then that echoes something that Deanna Messina from AMP said a couple of weeks back when she said that we think that people's predictions of the RBA end point, whatever you want to call that, that rate, mm-hmm. is over is overextended. And that, that was that was when I got the idea a few weeks ago that I want to be buying duration a little bit longer out. Yeah. Um, on that curve, and that seems to have done quite well. So very well. Uh, it's, uh, um, anyway, but it's only as, you're only as good as your last trade, mate. So that's how that goes. Now, uh, next week, anything on next week, and then we'll wrap it up, and we can all get back to our lives. Oh, mate, I think I mean here we just keep you know focusing on local earnings season. I think just because that's our bread and butter. So we'll start to get some of those results coming through. Some of the updates that we got this week from companies are really quite solid, um, and there seems to be some level of confidence that the consumer consumer stocks maybe a little bit more resilient um so there's there's that element and obviously there's the rba too so you know 50 basis points seems to be the go we'll get a little bit of guidance from them as how as to, to how they think the cash rate uh, will evolve throughout the year you know one really good point in fact I, I can't remember um this might be more of a currency play than anything yep i was on the on the podcast that we do last night and the dean was quoting a conversation that she had and unfortunately i can't remember who it was with but just just talking about the dynamics between the number of times that the Fed meets versus the number of the times the RBA meets, and that although the RBA is going to move in smaller increments, they meet more times before the end of the year, so they could actually end up in a you know slightly more um, aggressive position uh, when it comes to policy than um, than the Fed will. You know, obviously, assuming that they continue to plow forward with this kind of rate hiking cycle, so that's kind of the, an argument potentially that we might see a bit of strength coming through the, the currency and just something to consider um, as uh, as we go forward, but. Yeah, here it's going to be wild just because of earnings, local earnings, and um, and RBA to start the week. Yeah, no, that's going to be great. It is it's the start of a whole new month next month. Uh, draw a line under it and uh, and tick tack tock. So on that one, the myself, the biggest problem that I've got going uh, going into markets at the moment is going to be currency and it's going to be hedging. Um, one of the greatest ideas that I think that I've had, I can't actually execute because the only that's to buy European luxury or just generally luxury companies. But uh, any of those ETFs that I want are unhedged. I'd have to be going long US dollars mm. or long euros, which makes life really, really difficult for me to do because I don't want to be going long euros. I don't even want to be going long US dollars unhedged because if it is a risk-on scenario and also if the idea of me buying luxury goods is because of the Chinese re- reawakening, a China mm. reawakening is going to be bullish for the Aussie dollar. So I'm in a bit of a bind on that on that idea. So I can't sometimes... Mm. They're just like buses, mate. You just got to let it go and uh, and try and catch the next one. So that's that's how that goes. But generally speaking, mate, I'm still bullish on on this big quality tech. I think adding to quality would not hurt you much at all. Um, probably continue to, to to be long bonds. Uh, yeah, long bonds a bit longer out, anywhere from seven to thirty years out. Yeah, uh, uh, that's about it for me, mate. And apart from that, it's just status quo. Like I'm allocated, I'm good. So that's 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 us running. That's a, that's, right. That was a question. I don't think I phrased it well the other day. Um, you did not phrase it well the other day, mate. No, I could see, your, I could see <laughs> your face going. How do I let this? How, how do I let this guy? Um, how do I kill him softly, basically? Okay. <laughs> I know, no, it's because I, I couldn't, under, I couldn't I understand the question. It was a shit question. Um, no, no. What was it? What, what did you? No, no, what, what did you ask me again? It just. Yeah, it, was, and, it was basically that. Uh, with that with that quality trade, yeah. basically, 
See now I'm getting nervous. I don't know, know how to phrase it properly. You, you uh, ask. You are, everyone. Everyone, put yourself in my position as if you're on live television, <laughs> and I'm sitting there at the desk. And Kyle has asked. First off, Nadine is worrying about her chair. She's off camera. Yeah, We're doing our chair thing up and down. And then Kyle throws this question at me. Everyone, put yourself in in my place. Yeah. Kyle, do you want to fleet? You do it. Do it the way that you well, did it to me. Mate. I think what I was trying to ask is that you ride that um, that duration trade or that quality trade into into Fed rate cuts and the whole notion of that being is that are we in a, in a regime like we were pre-pandemic where you continue to see flow move into your amazons your apples your alphabets just on the basis that growth is slowing down yields are uh, falling though and you're getting those valuation impacts on some of these stocks who um tend to benefit from environments and of, of falling yields so i think it was kind of my it was a momentum question i think okay so now everyone you've heard the question can you answer that i, I i've i've had a bit of a blank and just gone i <laughs> my, my, my answer, my it, answer was, it makes sense that time when i yeah, asked it, it, it yeah that, that time when you just asked that it's a piece of cake it's a piece of cake because if yields do start to come off then you're going to start to see those tech names rally again which yeah. is the fangs amazingly if you look at like the top five out of six holdings in a quality ETF, they're all those big tech names. Yeah. So yeah. I'm good. To, I'm good to be long that quality. That quality name. I've got Microsoft, Apple, Nvidia, Johnson and Johnson, United Health. I'm just thinking about what else is in there. The Googles are both in there. It's 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 quality names, but there's enough tech to rally it up. We've seen what tech has done this week um, alone. It's fantastic. So yeah, that's mm. uh, Matt, that, that's the answer for you that, that you wanted. But I I think I answered it with like. Did the um, question make more sense that time, though? Yeah, that, the, that, okay. that time that you asked it, that was fine. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. I think maybe yeah. because I was just fiddling with my chair that I... No, I no, I don't, I don't think I did. Television. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I did particularly well on that Monday because I remember getting halfway through the question. I don't know what's going on. And James you can see my face. very, very confused <laughs> right now. And I can't back out of this. Um, <laughs> We're committed now. I've got to try and... Yeah, exactly. I've got to try, yeah. and, try and work this out. But anyway, okay. No, that, 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 that's that, an interesting track. Okay. Yeah, yes. So, so that's that. Happy to keep adding to it. And I did add to it uh, late last week and the beginning of this week as well. So okay. uh, QHAL is the ETF. If you want to get involved in that, make sure that it's got the H in it because you want to be hedged. Uh, you don't want to be long US dollars um, where, if there is a, a risk on environment and also if the economy in the US is slowing down a bit. Um, it's weird that both of those things can be said in the same sentence, but hey, it's 2022. That's how she rolls, mate. So mm. uh, Mate, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you for joining no, us. Kyle no, Rudder no, from Ausbiz. I'll talk to you next week, okay? Yep, same, mate. Thank you. Good on you, mate. Uh, this show is this show. It's the BIP show. I'm not going to do any of this uh, this stuff that we do at the end, but uh, pay attention to what we do on the internet. Pay attention to what we do on Twitter. Look, that's it. Kyle's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. That's all you need to know. Uh, we are sponsored by Bridge Street Capital Partners. If you want to know more about Bridge Street Capital Partners, please send me a note. And that's about it. Thanks a lot. We'll catch you next time.